and welcome to episode 44 of Horse Heretics. I'm Neil. I'm William. And today we will be finishing off the collection of novellas called The Primarchs. Uh, and we'll be picking it up at a story by Gav Thorpe called The Lion, which is a neat follow-on from the last time that we encountered Lionel Johnson and his uh, legion. I like I like the way that it's in that introduction there. You've now just... Um... Um, got yourself into a comfortable position of just just casually saying Lionel Johnson without laughing at his name. Um, uh, it's it's bad. I, in my notes in front of me here, uh, I kept on forgetting what his name was. So I've just put the lion, which is even worse. <laughs> <laughs> like, the lion knows this. The lion says this. And like, that's pretty embarrassing. Like, <laughs> you know, that I should write phrases <laughs> like that. But, um, you know, that's Warhammer for you. But you're like, but you're just, yeah, but that's the stage we're at now, you know, we're deep in it. Um, and so we don't have to dwell on the fact that, you know, his his name is like Lion L. Johnson and all this weird yeah. shit. I mean, that's been covered. Um, so, uh, <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, you're right. It's about the Dark Angels. And we did, we did have a good time with some of the Dark Angels books. We enjoyed them, like the full books. Um, yeah, the, there was that one on... Um the uh, raising of Zahariel and Nemiel to the full rank of, of Dark Angel. Um, and that should, will obviously come up as we talk about this story. Um, I can't remember the last time we actually, uh, they appeared, but uh, this story sort of follows on almost directly after in that Lionel Johnson is sort of brooding in his throne room because they are in a battle with the Night Lords. And the Night Lords are sort of running and hiding and won't fight like brave, proper soldiers should. And also that Lionel Johnson is sort of aware of an issue being, you know, on on Caliban, something that's not quite right, something that needs his attention. But he obviously can't uh, take part in anything while his fight with the Night Lords is still going on. And that's sort of where this story picks up. And and deals with you know some of that fallout. Yeah, and we haven't really had the night lords feature very much thus far. And well, we I think we called them the emo branch of the Primarch family, in that they were like very self indulgently morose and stuff like that. So maybe I'm not in a rush to read more about them. I suppose, but um, in my in all my other readings, actually, I don't think I've ever really read a story about them. So um, maybe there's a hidden gem out there. So the, the um, your man Lionel Johnson is in his uh, throne room, and we get introduced to some characters who appear more than others. So we've got Corswin, which is his seneschal, and he is sort of the his first captain. And Corswin is a superb sort of old knights of old name. Very yeah. a very big fan of that. And then there's a. Uh, Stenius, who's a commander of the ships, and he's not much crack at all. Like, I, and another one, Trajan, a recently raised soldier to a higher rank, again, don't care much about him. It's really coarse win. So they're, um, they're in a battle with the Night Lords, or a sort of a Cold War battle type thing, in that they can't get the Night Lords to face up to them. And they receive a message uh, about the Iron Hands and Death Guard having a bit of a scrap at a place called Perditus. And um, Lionel Johnson clearly knows about that place. He says he took it with the Death Guard and that there was some 
mechanicus research taking place that there that is now off limits to all the legions and so clearly he thinks some you know some sort of shit is going on there so he orders a big uh, a force to be mustered in order to go there and says you know what fuck the night lords this is much more important than dealing with them we're going to take the bulk of our strength off to this and there's a lot of war troubles going on god this, this is just one of the major problems I have with this is that I've got here, we're introduced to something called warp streams. They get into the warp and then there's some sort of description about the navigators and how they're dealing with the warp. And there are different streams of the warp and blah, 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 blah. It's all any number of MacGuffins being brought up as and when. And they're yeah. being tailed by somebody in the warp. Uh, they, assume, they say we should assume it's a Night Lord uh, ship, but apparently you can't trail things in the warp. That's that's pretty rare, and everybody's just shocked by that. And then they, I, I sort of lost track a little bit. They come out of the warp, and the Night Lord, there's a Night Lord ship, and there's a bit of warp space in their ship. Which is impossible, and I'm like, is it? Like, I have no idea, but that's impossible, and everyone's fucking holding their heads, going, "That's impossible," and I I was just like, "Oh, I, I thought that was naturally." Anyway, they get like a message from that ship, and this is when the Night Lords seem like quite polite young men. (laughs) Is that they um, they congratulate Lionel Johnson on a very cunning ploy. I didn't know it was a cunning ploy at that point. I just thought, oh, <laughs> I just thought, oh, so that was helpful. Yeah, for exactly. You. <laughs> so thanks, thanks, me. And it just like they launch uh, some torpedoes and destroy it. And the the night lords say, "We will see you in hell." I would really like that if these books came with like sidebars in the voice of a night lord telling you what the fuck was going on at various points. <laughs> oh, that's that's right, that's right. This is when they say. Um, They'll see them in hell, or you know, the, the word for hell in their own weirdo language. And um, somebody says, I can't remember the exact conversation, but they go, uh, "Hell doesn't exist." And then they go, "Hell does exist, you you foolish child." And they go, "I I told you not to broadcast that." Oh, but we're listening anyway. We're not. <laughs> You're just like, oh, okay, magic. I see. Yeah, I know. Like, I, th- I think I, I didn't, not in specifically in relation to, I think, this story, but one of these stories, or um, I, I did very much have the thought that this collection I was being made to think of just like something like m- the use of magic in Harry Potter. You know, it's just basically like a thing that's always there that you can kind of do whatever yeah. you want with. Um, yeah, well, th- just any point in the story, you know. Um, all the navigators start uh, like blasting eye lasers. Well, yeah. Well, 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 well. This is the whole. This is the main bit of the story for me, right? So, like, in in this sort of yeah, what we're informed is an incredible maneuver to sort of go in and out of the warp or something, um, to try and like catch out these people that are chasing them, these night wards, and um, they end up getting. Like a lot of warp monsters in the ship, which is you know that happens quite a lot. But uh, so they have to clear them out, and um, Lionel Johnson's like immediately get all the get all the librarians back in action. You know we need psychic power here, um, and and yeah, this is where the the um, navigators start using their iOSs. <laughs> um, but um, but then then so Brother Redemptor Nemiel, who uh, that must be Nemiel from the previous yep. books, right? He's like 
no, you can't, you can't, you know, that's that was all forbidden at the Council of Nike and stuff. And Lionel Johnson just punches his head <laughs> off, and that's the last we hear from him. <laughs> I mean, that wit yeah, happens. Yeah, and, and that character, that excellent character, if you remember, like, he, he was, like, not particularly, like, he was part of that rebellion when the emperor came. So he was not like um, a massive believer. And then in his raising to the brotherhood, he becomes a massive believer. And then he becomes this like chaplain. And you, uh, he's got uh, the love but rivalry with Zahariel. And it's just like there's so many brilliant strands. Like we, you can go back and listen to that episode. We love these characters. And uh, because they were characters, I think. Then it was just like brother redemptor Namiel stood up, and I was like, "Fuck, that's Namiel, fucking right!" And he got his head punched off, <laughs> and it was like with with that much fucking disregard, this this character was thrown away. Now, I know, like Game of Thrones has shown us, like get uh, kill your darlings. You know, you shouldn't just have a, a group of central characters who will survive no matter what. But that this is not how you do that kind of shocking, you know, death of a favourite. Because it's just done, it's just mentioned, and then he's never thought of again. It was almost as if Gav Thorpe, like, had a beef with whichever author originally wrote the story <laughs> with Nemo yeah. in it, and was like, yeah, I'm going to fucking punch his head yeah. off. This, um, this, we- this weak-ass <laughs> character who thinks about stuff? Nah, nah, <laughs> n- not on my ship. <laughs> and like, it, like... Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, I mean, it's not like it is a device that can be used well, a very surprising death of a central character. But this was like, it was even more dismissive than... Eidolon. The death of Eidolon, yeah, in the last one we talked about. Which, I mean, that kind of made sense in the, you know, because it's like, it's like a Primarch turned to chaos and turned to... Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, Like, just like, and this doesn't really happen after a long fight or anything, or even a very long argument. I mean, Nemiel just sort of pipes up. <laughs> yeah, like I, I guess like Nemiel sort of says like, but the, I'm, I'm following the Emperor's decree, and there is a little bit in this book about like, are you following the Emperor or are you following me? And there's a yeah. difference there. But here, you have this great beloved leader punching the head off another of these high-ranking people, and Corswin. Everybody else doesn't question it. Like nobody questions it no. at all. It's just like, oh, that's sh- shocking moment. But I know you'd expect that to go through the rest of the story. It'd be like you know something to do with like tapping into space marines. You know, the, worrying about you know, or could our leader turn to chaos or something yeah. like that? You know, because he's he he has. But no, it's just like, just that's it. That is that is the end of that. That plays no further role in the narrative. His head has been punched off. Yeah. He is. Yeah, as you say, like there is a God. There's the Night Lords. They activate their warp engines and their void shields at the same time. And again, everyone's like, "But that's madness!" And I was like, "Is it?" And <laughs> this yeah. was like very sort of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Right? <laughs> yeah, it was. Well, you say that. Yeah, it's like what we need is a, a stream of gravitons or something. But <laughs> they do say that there was a you know a feedback loop. And you're like, oh, fuck off. I've got shit written with like loads of T's here. Um, and it just seems like, you know how like reversing the polarity is often a, a phrase you hear and you just roll your eyes, that kind of thing. Here, I was just like, yep, yeah, whatever, whatever. You know, 
It's uh, the, mm. I, I was lost at this stage of the story. I was just like, if if you can't think up a reason to put your characters in this situation better than this, then f- fine. I'm, I, I'll read it, but I'm not. I'll read it because I've got to read it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I didn't want to anyway. Anyway. Um, no, so as no. you say, because of this, there are a bunch of like pockets on the ship where uh, warp monsters come out. Some are made of fire, others are like skittery creatures, all the same. And that's when the navigators get their eye beams out and go around cyclopsing everybody. And uh, they do pretty well for themselves. Oh God, do you remember this bit? Um, Lionel Johnson goes to his personal armory, and there uh, there is a section maybe six or seven lines long of just all the different weapons he has it was oh, yeah. like it was just like a, a paragraph long list yeah it was a list diff- it was like different words for like yeah yeah swords he had he had like sabers and bastard swords and dirks and daggers and it went on for a incredibly long time like it was unbelievable so what he does with that list of swords is he grabs two of them <laughs> <laughs> Um, they all meet up at the warp core. Um, it's probably not called the warp core, is it? But um, this is as Star Trek Gen- Star Trek Next Generations. Uh, they meet up at the warp core, and Liana, the the main navigator, who's best with her eye beams, is like shoots it at another warp monster, which grabs it in its hand and reflects it back on her. And um, it, this monster has got two big bird heads, and it talks to Lionel Johnson as if he's. He's spoken to him before and he makes an offer of like freedom in that kind of chaosy way. Um, and Lionel Johnson sort of kills it fairly easily. And they clean up the ship and that all of that wasn't particularly important because they reach Perdidos and that's it. Yeah, it was essentially a filler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so they get to Perdidos and this is where the war between the Iron Hands and the Death Guard is going on, and so they know they know at this point that, as a legion, uh, the the Death Guard are allied with Horus, and the, the Iron Hands are, are are still loyal to the Emperor. But um, at this point, Lionel Johnson decides to get on nuanced about things, <laughs> and is like, "Well, he, yeah, but you don't know if part of the legion, you know, part of the legion might still be yeah. on the other side, you know, and all this." So he's like, "I can't even remember what the thing." On Perditus was oh no it was like some this is only revealed towards the end of the story but it was some power something that let you travel through the warp in a way that was otherwise impossible like travel yeah. right right across the galaxy and stuff like that and it was sort of suggested that this would well presumably this will take on some significance later on but you've you've done a lot of good for us there by jumping ahead so let's not <laughs> let's not go back too far there is a, a Death Guard called Callus Typhon, a superb name, who is allied to Nurgle, and he gets magic because of that. Anyway, blah 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 blah. There is a thing called Tachulka. Is that how you'd? Oh uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's the thing. Yeah. So it's a ten meter wide orb that taught. <laughs> that's that's true. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why that's so funny, but it's just. Well, such... it's because if. A 10-year-old child who's seen some sci-fi is to draw a science fiction villain. It's a 10-meter long orb that talks <laughs> through the use of a small boy. And Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. So you like had like a servitor boy yeah. 
was being used as as a puppet essentially by the by the orb. Yeah, so obviously Callus Typhon he wants this this orb because it allows you to teleport through the warp. You know, there are a number of examples of this happening during the book. And again, I was like, well, they've got teleportation already. And they're like, yes, but this is this is into the warp. You don't need a, a Mandeville point or you don't need a... And like, oh, don't you? Do you? And so the lion is like the lion. Jesus Christ. Uh, Lionel Johnson is sort of like, um, well, I can't allow Typhon to have it because he... It's clear he doesn't want it for Horus. He doesn't want it for his own Primarch. He wants it for himself. Um, and he, he thinks there's some sort of chaosy business going on there. And it is. Yeah, Typhon seems to be um, a freelancing a little bit in that. But <laughs> but also the Iron Hands want to bring it back to Gilliman. Lionel Johnson is that old, but Gilliman will, is trying to set himself up as a another emperor. So he's not having it either. So what I'm going to do is destroy the planet. And everyone's shocked. Uh, the Death Guard try to like break in and get it, but they're teleported away. And they destroy the planet, but Lyle Johnson has got the big massive orb in his own ship and you know plans to use it for, him, for his own self. And then the story ends. It's kind of like Lionel Johnson on his own having a chat with the shadows. And it seems clear that he's now a cabal agent would you is that how you said like he's he's talking about he will enforce a kind of stalemate of endless war between the legions which may at some point um bring them to like the negotiation table no one will usurp the emperor but also nobody is better than the emperor and that's horus but also gilliman you're probably sensing that we didn't (laughs) think this was fantastic it's a bad story um, well, we'll get to an overall appraisal of this book. Soon, <laughs> okay. Um, the next one, so, um, the serpent beneath. Jesus Christ. Uh, well, take us through this one. I think you've got some things to say about this one. <laughs> Recently, um, if you listen to, if you, I mean, it's funny when we say things like, if you've been listening to previous episodes of the podcast, like, what are the chances that someone would just alight on this podcast and think, I'll just start at episode forty-four? It, hap- it, like, hap- it happens right? all the time. Right in the middle of this cryptic... No, I understand it with, like, a normal podcast, but, like... <laughs> like, this, you'd be like... I suppose, yeah, I suppose it doesn't really matter if you've, you've if you've heard the previous ones or know the stories. It doesn't really matter. But, um, so just in case you are that person, uh, we recently read a book by the Ultramarines that we quite liked, and it had this um, kind of structural device of having, like, a timer that was telling you... You know, it was, like, in their... The, the, system they used in their records of their wars and stuff to say like when a conflict began and so the timer sort of went started in like minus hours um while it was building up to this attack on on the planet they controlled and then it you know counted up after that after that point when the sort of the, the war broke out um and that actually worked pretty well in that book and this this book this sorry this story has a version of that mm. <laughs> That is completely all the things that we worried that other one would be. Um, just like this really obtuse like numbering and notation of what the times are meant to be. Like I can't even, it wouldn't even work in a podcast. I would have to show you because it's all like symbols yeah. and just 
garbage. Um, and like, so basically, this story is very much like it has bits that are like a set piece from a Mission Impossible film, <laughs> and the rest of it's like, um, what's that Andy McNabb book? Come on, not that Bravo I read it, but what I imagine it to be. <laughs> the rest of it's like sort of special forces uh, um fiction and which is just like on its face and i know that that's kind of stuff like that is sort of the gimmick of the of the alpha legion this is about the alpha legion by the way um and uh but it's just stupid right in the context of space marines like these massive like hulking you know armored larger than normal humans the idea of them like you know, sneaking about like the SES. <laughs> yeah, or exactly. Something. It's just kind of stupid. Um, and so, like, this is, I mean, <laughs> I was going to say, like, you were introducing the characters in the previous one, which reminded me of, like, I had a comment came to my mind um, about this book where it's like, unbelievably, this is a this is a story with no characters, yeah. essentially. Like, um, I mean, it sort of has Omegon, as we're told he is, is, um, so it's, that's one of the twin primarchs. Uh, of the Alpha Legion is called Omegon. But everyone else is just fucking names. Mm-hmm. Like I I could not tell you a single thing <laughs> about about those characters other than that they're a space marines. Yeah. Like oh wait a minute. <laughs> the one good thing about the story the one thing I liked about the story no that's that's not fair. It's not the one good thing. There were a couple of bits that were okay written, but like um is that there's a Mechanicum dude called Augurinus. <laughs> that's a fucking good name. <laughs> um and uh Anyway, so there's a kind of like spy bit, like yeah, like you say, like a Mission Impossible type bit where they're tra- trapping him down, and then it's all over the shop, mm. right? Like um, again, like there's a time and a place definitely where you you you, you know you, you write a novel out of structure out of chronological order. This was not it. This did not need to be fucking yeah. like going from a bit that's before the main event to a bit after it in these little chunks between these just stupid notation of time and. Um, it just did not need to be that, and it jumped all over the fucking shop. Oh, the, this was another character who was kind of cool. Um, there was a psyker called Zalma Gundy. Yeah. And like, so there's this whole thing where they just like go to a planet and capture her, or not capture. Well, I suppose they kind of do, but they kind of give her a chance to come with them instead of going with the with the the silent sisterhood who she's running away from, and she's very powerful. And it's just—it was just really. I thought it was just really bizarre. Like she's it's, kind of just. Yeah, there's there's a bit where they they sort of, you know, put together a, a ragtag team of misfits for you know one last mission, you know that yeah. that that kind of setup, and she's you know she's the rogue psyker. They need a psyker, and they they need all a few different people, and they put together that team in order to go to this tenebrae base. It's called, which is being used to um, sort of blanket broadcast and keep the White Scars Legion um, in the dark about stuff. Omegon thinks there's a, a info leak, or so we're told at the start. And there's uh, another, because uh, I've got a few characters written down here because I knew I would forget them. Um, Sheed Ranko, it's another fella. The, the, Omegon and Ranko put together this crew uh, and infiltrate the base and this this is when all of that out of order bullshit really started I was like what the fuck how can I be reading a novella and being confused <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know like, there were some bits where I just I actually didn't know what was going yeah. on 
in yeah. a very basic sense. <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely. I was like, what is happening? Because, you know, the, the crew splits and they're doing different stuff at the same time. And I was like, who's doing what? Where is this in relation to the other storyline? So I was just reading it, just going, yeah, fine, fine. I'll, I'll get to a bit where everything is reunited and I'll understand it, I think, I think. But um, I was just and reading it going, fuck, I don't care. We, we, we don't want to be like dicks about, <laughs> about these books, but like... And there were some there were some bits in this that I thought oh, that's quite effective in a kind of a cinematic way, like the sort of the sort of Mission Impossible type bit where they were sort of tailing somebody um, through a crowd and stuff. I thought that was yeah. reasonably well written in a kind of cinematic sort of way. But there are also lines like this. Again, Echion balanced honesty against prudence against the prudence of honesty. <laughs> <laughs> How many things are we balancing here? <laughs> well, yeah, you just look at that and you can try to like break it down and it, I don't know what, what's going on there. That is an absolute beautiful line. <laughs> I'm going to have to make a note of that for the, the name of this podcast. That's, that's going um, So I don't think I could give a proper synopsis of this because I don't know what happens. Omegon kills some people. Other people are killed. They all meet up again, uh, uh, destroying the base. They meet up where they should be rescued. You know, the, the team should be picked up. If it's a, you know, a, a liquid smooth planning, Sheed Ranko should be there in order to pick them up. Omegon, aha, he reveals he is Sheed Ranko and has been impersonating, him, the, impersonating Omegon the whole time. This is a suicide mission from the start. And I was like... Is every, is every story with the Alpha Legion going to contain... Ah! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I like, think so. I think that's their, that's their, their main, their main you know, thing. Th- I, that happened. I, I, honestly, I wasn't expecting it. Like, I hadn't thought that was the case. But I, I just... My heart sank. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, there, was a, there was a bunch of stuff. There was, like, a last couple of, like, little mini-chapters that sort of revealed the truth. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I didn't understand. Like, I was like, I don't get, I don't understand what's being revealed here. <laughs> I'm not confident enough in my own um, view of this because I was just reading it. So I was just like, fuck this. Yeah. It was, this was like walking through fucking concrete reading this thing. Like, <laughs> um, was like, it was like, um, but there's like, so the, the, the main bit after that sort of getting the team together is that they are. So basically, what is not that much more than a suspicion, <laughs> like the information's been that they don't even know to who the information is being fed out of the Alpha mm-hmm. Legion. Essentially, that there's like a double agent um, in the Alpha Legion, right? And all the shit that we we were told in every book repeatedly about how impossible it was to imagine fighting another space marine. These guys, at the absolute drop of a hat. <laughs> Um, not only are going to fight other space marines from another legion, but are going to go in and obliterate, like completely destroy a large force of people from their own yeah. um, legion on the on the um, pretty... I can't remember what their evidence was, but it, at least at some point it was pretty much Omegon's suspicion was the main... Um, 
the main driving Well, there was, th- there was uh, conversations between Omegon and Altharius. And it seems to me that there is a complete... There is a possibility here that Omegon is working against Alpharius and Alpharius is working with the Cabal. I've just realised that the Alpha Legion are too smart for us. The Alpha Legion have outwitted us in the course of this book. That's what's happening to us. Con- congratulations to them. <laughs> um, I, I don't mind. This story infuriated me. No, no, infuriated is wrong. I didn't feel fury. Bored. How's yeah, that? Bored. <laughs> it bored the fucking shit out of me. This, <laughs> this so, there, so there was a large, so there was a lot of detail about how they went on. To, so it was all like an asteroid. This thing was on basically that had giant robot mining spiders. I mean, this was one cool idea actually. That was like <laughs> these, these like spiders, some alien civilization basically that they found like asteroids full of like minerals, and they like someone put in an order for those minerals, and then they like packaged up the asteroid with a bunch of these like mining robots sent it hurtling towards whatever planet or civilization had asked for it and like along the way the robots mined out all, <laughs> all the minerals so when it arrived like 200 years later at the planet uh, the place that put it in the order they got they got a fully like hauled out mm-hmm. asteroid with all their minerals i quite like that and um, but so this i know I this down because i felt like it was quite a good example of this type of stuff you're just reading it and it's just like hard to to follow so here's a little passage launching counterhook Arkan announced pulling on a pair of pneumatic paddles set in the rune bank above a loud pressure snap reverberated through the torpedo as a harpoon launched from the rear of the craft trailing an adamantium alloy line <laughs> satisfied that the harpoon had embedded itself deep within the bedrock Arkan reported firing grapnels engaging <laughs> resistance it's a lot of hooks and grapnels and torpedoes <laughs> and lines and <laughs> that I just that my my feeling reading that passage was fairly typical of my feeling reading this whole story. Yeah. Um yeah. it's kind of, kind of like the it, it was not badly it was badly written. Wow, oh, shit. It's not the worst thing I've read, but it may be the most boring. It's um, the wor- I, I would say I think it's the worst thing in this series thus far. Yeah? Yeah. Um, uh, I'm not saying it's the worst thing I've read full stop in my life, but I think this was the most, I thought, this is a waste of my fucking time yeah. reading this. Like, um, there's, there's, there's been some, I, I think everything, I mean, like I said, there was, like, I, I, there was actually, now that I'm sort of going over it, there was a few cool little things that I thought, oh, that was kind of a neat idea. But as an overall story, it was so turgid and so lacking in any like like i say it was like a story devoid of characters um yeah even by the standards of these books you know like even if like sometimes the characters you get are just quite like two-dimensional sort of archetypes but like that's still something to you know like you can yeah. to latch on to like oh there's the there's the baddie you know like um this was just bad this was bad everybody and i i was as you say uh walking through concrete is it was a very good description of this. So in terms of this whole book, I mean, this was like I mean, I know like we're not we're well, we are kind of reviewing these books. We're not really reviewing them as in this sense of you know this is you know recommended go you know go, yeah, go yeah. by this one. But I would definitely say like yeah, even if you're reading through this series, you could easily not bother with this book. Like oh um, one yeah, I suppose actually because you've been in the past sort of two or three books, you have sort of talked about. 
um, complaining that we are in a lull of anything happening that is moving forward the story, but that the last one about the ultramarines and the calf, you didn't mind it so much there because that was just a good rip roaring tale. But also, and in I, fact, I did feel, it, yeah. you, you did you did say that it it did contain some stuff that you yeah. felt moved things along. This is the the definition of inessential. Like the, you don't need this. Nobody needs to read this. Skip it. Save yourself the ten hours or whatever it would take to read this, and you know, get. We've just given you those hours back of your life. We've just given you ten hours. You're welcome, which you folks. Do, which you can do whatever you like with. Um, I mean, just we spend you know spend about two of those hours listening to these podcasts, but that <laughs> yeah. still saves you eight. You know, so. Um, so please, um, yeah, if you if you appreciate that. You know, subscribe on the Patreon, you know? <laughs> um, um, there anyway, is no Patreon, by the way. There is no <laughs> Patreon, by the way. Just, yeah. Just, um, right. So that was shite. On with the next one. It is Fear to Tread. So that will be about Sanguinius. I think I've read this one before, actually. I think I, I don't think I've read it, but like... I'm weirdly familiar with the title as if I at least thought about reading it in the past. <laughs> um, but, uh, like, I'm, that sounds good. Like, the Body Angels, we know they're, they're like, Sanguinius is an A-lister who hasn't really yep. um, been in the stories much, so that would be cool. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that one. The Primarchs, uh, I feel really disappointed after this one. Like, you know, sometimes, like, after that Ultramarine one, No, No Fear... Um, I was, uh, you know, I was sort of like shadow boxing, you know? I was like, come on, let's get on. Let's go fucking have a battle. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, and the same with um, that previous one with Namiel and Zahariel. I was like, oh, yeah, this is great. I feel I feel bombed out by the Primarchs. I feel like I've just been sort of stopped in my tracks. So yeah. that's disappointing. Oh, like, it does make me wonder. I wonder, like, I wonder if the novella is just not a good format for this series you know like um the short stories we've had a couple of short stories collections and they were like a mixed bag i would say you know like some of them quite good but um obviously they're short you know so someone can have just a a whole story that is basically sort of one idea or one scene basically you know one sort of sequence of things and that can kind of work but here it was like you know like they, they all probably could have been done as short stories um, yeah, but they were done as novellas, which just dragged it out for longer. Basically, you know, um, it was a jab pain in the hole. Anyway, anyway, um, well, everyone, thank you very much for listening. This has been sort of therapy for me and Will, it seems. Um, so, uh, thanks again. Um, please do tell um, everybody that you haven't told already about the podcast. It's really the only way uh, that we um, get to spread the word and probably and sorry sorry yeah just no. gonna say probably don't start them off in this episode because it's probably a bit of a downer maybe just you know um tell yeah. them yeah the book that, an episode that, <laughs> exactly that covered a book we liked a bit more than this one exactly and um it's uh, really nice to hear from you as well we're at horse heretics at gmail.com so get in touch there and we will be back um with fear to tread in a couple of weeks time onwards to a novel <laughs> great thanks everyone bye